Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. All right. I thought you were going to hold the mic for me the whole time. Just kidding. Oh man. Well, happy 4th, you guys. You know, it's... Um, a lot of celebrating today. I think um, we're not only celebrating the fourth, but we're celebrating all that God has done this past year. You guys like that video? Yeah. It's inspiring. It is also a good reminder where we have come from. And this right here, if you look around, this, is, this did not exist. The past, last year, there was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears put in this past year, not just from leadership, but everyone that has served. So we want to honor you guys for this past year. We love you guys. All right. Well, if you don't know me, my name is RJ. Um, I am the College of Young Adults pastor with my wife, Rebecca, and I'm also the worship pastor for Encounter Church. Um, but we just love, like I said, um, since we are the young adults, I would certainly hope we love young people, and we really do. And one thing that God has been speaking to me this um, past year and past, you know, yeah, actually it was just this past year is that he loves to give his grace to people. And this year was full of opportunities to receive the grace of God. And I know for our lives that we've received that. Um, but, but before I jump into the topic of grace, I just want to let you know we are going to talk about that. I felt like God was very gracious to me the past couple weeks because I really missed being here. I don't know if you um, knew this, but I was out a couple weeks ago because I was sick um, and I had um, a wonderful disease and virus called hand, foot, and mouth. Who in here knows what? I know, ill, right? <laughs> Who? No, I know this is the, I was contemplating whether or not I should talk about this, but you know what? I don't care. So I'm just going to talk about it because it's disgusting, but this is something that I went through. So last couple weeks uh, ago, um, my kids actually got hand, foot, and mouth. And if you don't know what that is, you, actually, I didn't really know what it was until I knew people who had kids, you know? I didn't even know what this existed. It sounded disgusting, hand, foot, and mouth, like, oh, you know? And I'm just like, all right, I hope this never happens. But last couple of weeks, um, a couple of weeks ago, um, Taya um, and Milo got hand, foot, and mouth. And then we were just looking into this, and we're like, okay, what do we do? And we're like, oh, man, like, how do we handle something like this? Because apparently this is something you can't, like, fix. You just have to go through it. And if you don't know what this is, what happens is your hands, your feet, and your mouth get really bad. That's the best way I could put it. You get, it's horrible. You look like you're from another world. You know, you get all these nasty blisters and bumps all over your hands and feet. You get a lot of canker sores and blisters in your throat. Sometimes it's very minor. And luckily for us, Taya and Milo had a very minor hand, foot, and mouth. And then a couple days later, Becca started to get a little sick. We had two, we had two thoughts. Either she had hand, foot, and mouth or she was pregnant. And we were kind of glad that she had hand, foot, and mouth right now. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. 
But, so we knocked that out and said, okay, she's not pregnant. Well, praise the Lord, you know. We just had a newborn. We don't, uh, yeah. Okay, anyway, so, so she got hand, foot, and mouth, and it, she got it worse than the kids, okay? And we're like, oh, my gosh, this is horrible. Like, what are we going to do? Like, so she couldn't go to church the other Sundays, and she had to take care of the kids because I had to go to work and blah, 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 blah. It was, it was a mess. And we're like, how are we going to get through this? You know, Becca wasn't able to eat uh, for a day and didn't feel good, and her hands were hurting and her feet were hurting. And then I'm like, okay, I got to step it up, you know. I need the grace of God and help me become the man and mom, the dad and mom of the house right now. So I was able to kind of step up, okay? Because when she started getting better, I started getting bad. And I thought, I was like, okay, what is going on? So the first day, I, anyone have chills before? Like the sick chills, not like, ooh, little whatever, but like the, uh, the chills. I have never felt the chills before, and I was freaking out. I'm like, why am I so cold? Like, so I ran to the living room, grabbed a throw pillow, and I just like went into fetal position under the blanket. Taylor's like hitting me on the back, thinking this is a game. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I wake up the next morning, and I was sick. And I'm Becca got better, you know, after a couple days. I'm like, okay, this is just going to pass. This is going to pass real quick. Day three comes along, and I'm like, okay, this is not passing. What the heck is going on? Long story short, I had hand, foot, and mouth for seven days. You know, um, I couldn't eat for five. I literally had a diet of two tablespoons of pureed chicken noodle soup and three ibuprofens every six hours. So that was my diet. Barely could drink any water, but within that time frame of not eating for 10 days, I lost 10 pounds. So new weight loss program, hand, foot, mouth, guaranteed, lose 10 pounds in five days, you know? So if you want that, let me know. I'm starting the program. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, but in that moment, it was just horrible. So I, I don't know why I'm telling you this. I mean, there is a point later in this teaching, but I'm just glad to be here. I'm so good, glad to be here. And don't forget, I know some of y'all have shook in my hand today and I'm not contagious. I'm just peeling like a snake, okay? Like, that's the aftermath of hand, foot, and mouth, okay? So I'm going um, to get into that just a little bit more a little bit later. But, okay, let's redirect our focus, okay, people? Let's come on. Let's, let's talk about what's the, what is the theme of this whole year. It's to multiply, right? What is the year uh, verse of this year? Acts what? Acts 6, 7. Let's all say it together. Throw it on the screen. You guys ready? Here we go. Then the word of God greatly. Acts 6, 7. And what is the year theme? Multiplying words of Jesus. Amen. And today, earlier, I did talk to you about uh, the topic of grace. And I felt, and this kind of having hand, foot, and mouth kind of enhanced the um, purpose of talking about this because he, through that process, the Lord was reminding me because I knew I was going to preach this Sunday, but I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to preach because of hand, foot, and mouth. But in that moment, the Lord, like, reiterated, it's like, you know, we need to talk about this. So I'm excited to share this word with you. Um, but today, I really do want to talk about grace. And who in here has heard the word grace? And we have this idea of the definition of grace sometimes. You know, maybe we think 
I don't know what, you are, what definition you think of grace, but grace is supernatural empowerment. And it's God's power to accomplish what we cannot. That's what grace is. Grace isn't just a free pass of something. Sometimes we think like, well, I could do anything here. Grace of God is, there's a plethora of it, and it's generous, and it's all for me. It's like we got to understand, though, that the grace of God it doesn't have, like, it's not like a do this and receive the grace of God, but we have to do something with our heart to receive the grace of God because the grace of God is really giving us the ability to do something we cannot. And who in here could do everything? Just me? No, I'm just kidding. We all can't. We can't do everything. Having hand, foot, and mouth was a punch in the face, was a punch in the hand, foot, and mouth for me, you know? I real, that stopped me in my tracks. And if you know me, I am a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a closer. I like to get things done. And I could not do anything. I couldn't even do my favorite thing, and that's eat. You know, I couldn't do that. So knowing that we are humans incapable of doing everything that we think we can, we need the grace of God in our life. So within that supernatural empowerment is something called the undeserved favor. I think of grace and favor as things that intertwine together, you know, and sometimes we think they're separate things, but if you want favor from the Lord, you need the grace of God in your life. And if you want the grace of God, we need to prepare our hearts to receive that. It is just not given because of nothing, you know? We need to understand the gift of grace is free, but God giving grace isn't necessarily just you could do whatever you want and he's just gonna pour it out on you anyways. So we have to understand that there's something we have to position ourselves in. Grace is simply something that is given to us when we don't deserve it or did anything to earn it. And when I think of that, I think of salvation. The first gift you ever get because of the grace of God is salvation. And we need to understand that in order to open the floodgates of the grace of God in our life, we need to accept the first gift that comes from grace, which is salvation, which is the free gift of life through the cross and like I said earlier, this past year we needed a lot of grace. You know, this church needed a lot of grace. And just watching that video, it's like, it gets emotional just because I think about it. You know, like just like how much this church had to go through. And if you were part of this even before that, you've experienced it. If you're here, you're here because of the results of what happened this past year. And we're excited just to see what happens in the years to come. But there was so much financial grace and favor that we needed and God poured it out. There's so much grace and favor towards dealing with situations and conflicts and people and, and stuff like that that in the world could handle it a lot differently, but God gives us the grace and the favor to handle it with his power, and we got through it. There were sicknesses, there were tragedies, there were, there were hardships that this church had to go through, and maybe some of you have faced that, and you were part of this adventure, or maybe last year was kind of like that, but it was, we're here today because of the grace of God, not because of the work that we have done, but what you saw in that video, yes, we 
we had to put work into it, but we were able to put work into it because of the grace of God. And today, I want you to understand that you could only accomplish what God truly has for you with the grace of God. That's what we need today. And maybe you're here today and you're like, like I, I have these goals, I have these aspirations and these dreams. Let the grace of God reveal the truth about it. Let the grace of God help you walk through this life and truly find where your dreams really lie. To truly find the, tr the truth and what you need to do for him. Did you know that although we don't earn or deserve grace, right? Can we, say, can we agree with that? Like, grace is undeserving. We did nothing to, 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 to receive the free gift of life and grace and salvation from God. Although we don't earn or deserve grace, we could actually do something to receive more of the grace of God in our life. Did you know that? Did you know you could actually do something to be like, Lord, fill me up, you know, pour it all out, as opposed to just waiting around. The Lord wants to pour out his grace because in the scripture we're gonna read soon, it talks about God's grace is generous. He generous, all he wants to do is, you know, all the grace all over you. And he can't just hold it in, you know? Kind of how I felt with hand, foot, and mouth. Anyways, so we could actually do something to receive more of the grace of God. And when I had that revelation, I'm like, wow, I didn't realize that. I thought God just chooses, although he does choose, but he looks and then chooses, just so you know. That's how the grace of God works. He looks to choose. He doesn't just like pour it out, you know. And here's the thing, I'm calling the title of this message Push-Pull, because we either push the grace of God away from us, or we pull it closer to us. That's the point. I want us to understand that it's not that we have the power to receive the grace of God, but we have the power to position and prepare ourselves to receive the grace of God. And who in here wants the grace of God in their life? I don't know about you, you know. And the grace of God comes in many different forms. It comes in, yeah, he gives us great opportunities. He opens doors. He blesses us financially. But did you know one thing also that is from the grace of God and the favor of God is opportunities for us to change. Did you know you're correct, being corrected, being confronted is the grace of God? Because he's so good. and He's like, I don't want you to be the same. So I'm going to show up and show you something that needs to be changed in your life. That's the grace of God. And sometimes we reject correction, confrontation, because we're like, oh, well, I know, and this is what I think the Lord is saying, and this is what I should do. I've been there. But then when we reject that correction, when we reject the, the opportunity for the cutting and the, the, the changing of our life, to really transform us, then we miss the grace of God. And then we wonder, why isn't the Lord doing certain things? Because we're missing the point of the grace of God. And again, we either push away the grace or we pull it closer to us. So let's jump to this scripture just to talk about 
the grace of God a little bit. James 3, 13 to 18, and then we're also going to go reading through four, chapter 4, 1 through 10. There's a lot here. I'm just going to jet right on through. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living in an honorable life. I'm just going to pause right there. Sometimes people think wisdom is what you say and how much you know. But let me tell you this. Prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. I don't, I don't, okay, how do I say this? We're in a generation where we think we have, yes, we have the right to say whatever, but like people are always using the platforms of social media and Instagram as proof of their wisdom and hearing from the Lord. I don't care what that says because what I care is what the fruit says in your life. And I don't want to be someone that just says, oh, here you go, listen to me, do this stuff, I got this word from God, I'm, I'm a proclaimed prophet, I'm a proclaimed pastor, whatever, but then there's no fruit in your life because of the reflection of the grace of God, then there's nothing to stand on. If you really want to prove your wisdom in the Lord, start by proving it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. We're going to understand what humility is, okay? That's a whole other thing that we're going to talk about. 14, but if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth by boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are, get this, earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. Fruit. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Going to verse 1 on chapter 4. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it, from, to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Oh, but here we go. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want what you will what will give you pleasure. Look, I'm not just making this stuff up, okay? This is straight from the word of God. Convict, convict, cut, 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 whatever, you know? You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world, and let me tell you, friendship with the world is everything that was just said. You're quarreling, you're jealous, you're selfish ambition, all these things in your pursuit of what you want to see happen in your life. You're doing it the wrong way. That's how the world does it, and that's how we become friends with the world. It makes you an enemy of God. Uh, God. I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the Spirit has 
uh, has placed within us should be faithful to him, and he gives grace generously. Can you guys say generously? As the scriptures say, and this is one of the main points, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Can we say that together? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Try it one more time. We're going to do the push and pull. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Push, pull, push, pull, okay? So, humble yourself before God. Humble yourself before God. Resist the devil. When they say resist, he basically says stand firm. Stand firm. Resisting doesn't mean like, you know, like run away. No, it's just like when the enemy comes at you, you are not going to move because of what he says. You're going to stand firm in the word of God. That's what it says to resist. It doesn't mean like don't talk to me, you know. It's more like when you do, if you do, I'm just going to stand firm because I'm grounded in the truth. That's what it means to resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Another version says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. I want you to understand something. God opposes the proud, but he generously gives grace to the humble. And I think it's interesting because humility is the pool. And we say when we, we've heard the verse, maybe most of us have heard it a lot of times, come close to God and God will come close to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And we just kind of use that scripture. It was like, okay, this is how, you know, I don't even know what that looks like. You know, how do I draw near to God, you know? But when we read this whole scripture and understand that when we draw near to God, it's through the, the position of humility. And humility is what pulls in God. Humility is... It's not, okay, I don't want you to think of um, come close to God like, like let's say that's God right there. Coming close doesn't mean this, you know? Coming close means I open my heart to you and I'm positioning myself to you. Like, because in reality, we're facing away. We're facing another direction. But when he says come close to God, it's basically directing yourself to him. And what happens is when he sees that, it's a sign of humility. And what he does is he takes those steps closer to you because he sees something pulling him in. And that's humility. And that's the grace of God. So if you want to see the grace of God be drawn in and pulled into your life, we got to see where do we stand when it comes to humility. Humility is the pull. Humility pulls the grace of God into our life. Humility, humility, um, being humble, sorry, that's what I was trying to say. Being humble is what is the magnet towards God's grace in our life. And when we are put in that position, God cannot help but gravitate towards that. That's how we get the attention of God. It's not like, 
Juhu, big summer blowout. <laughs> I don't, it's not like, God, I got your attention here. You know, look at me, I'm over here. Come on, I'm banging my chest. I'm stomping my feet. I'm doing a little dance, whatever. But it's more like when we humble ourselves, God sees it. God is watching and God gravitates towards that. Here's a little bit of what humility is not. Because we all have this idea of what humility is. Maybe you fall into this category because I have. But the definition of humility is not thinking less of yourself. You know, some bubbles are busting right now. It is not letting others do things instead of you because you want to give them that opportunity. That's not all what it is. The definition of humility is not ignoring compliments to protect your heart. It is not discrediting your gift and abilities. That's not what humility is. It is not being reserved and quiet and holding in your opinions and not saying anything at the group meeting. You know, that's not humility, okay? Humility is, though, get this, and maybe when I, when I was reading the word and I was just like, whoa, this makes complete sense. Because humility is none of that, humility is recognizing who God is and recognizing who we are in God. Then... We live according to that truth. That is what true humility is. It's knowing who God is, the character of God, who he really is as God, and knowing who we are in God and living that out. I know that's like a big concept to get, but I want you to understand it like this. If we know God provides all that we need, What do you think our part is? Our part is to trust him and to obey him. And when we trust through faith that God will provide, we will do what it takes to open that door. As in like, I am not just going to sit around and wait for the grace of God to just put a job on my lap. I'm going to go apply. I'm going to log on to Indeed and grab any job that accepts me because who knows what that could open up. Because when I take faith, when I take steps believing that God has that grace for me, I'm going to open that door by doing something about it. That's our part. It's not, okay, I'm just going to pray really hard to get this job only and just wait for the Lord to show up. God's saying, yes, do that, but I need you to start moving. I need you to start doing something. Yes. Remember the scripture in the Bible where it's like, pray for the harvesters, you know, but uh, hello, I'm actually calling you to do it, so go on and get them, you know? That's a picture of what it's like for the grace of God because we don't have the power to, to see something happen that only God can make happen. And when the grace of God comes into our life, that's what activates that, that favor, that open doors in our life. So humility is recognizing who God is and recognizing who we are. God is almighty, sufficient, righteous judge. We're not here, and, and, and we are called to what? Submit to him, love others, unity. All these things that you find in the Bible, 
the differences of this is who God is, this is who we are, are we seeing that and are we living that? When that happens, that's true humility because when you try to do something that you're not, because that's not who God's called you to be or how to live, then we're taking matters in our own hand. And that's not submitting ourselves to who God really is and who we are to him. And that's not humility. Notice that in the scripture it says, humble yourself before God and let God, and, and it doesn't say let God humble you. It says humble yourself before God. He doesn't say let God humble you. To, hum, to be humble, to receive humility, you have to decide to do that. Humility is a posture of the heart. It is not a result of something. It is not the action of something. It is a posture of the heart. Because once your heart is humble, out comes the things that humility could only produce. And that's what the posture of a heart needs to be. Humility is an intentional choice. No one is naturally humble, you know? No one's like, oh, humility, I got that in the bag. It's like, no one is naturally humble. Why? Because we are human. Why? Because we are full with sin. We enter to this world sinful, and it's only by the grace of God can he change that in our life. We're not naturally humble people. If you think you are, we're going to have an altar call after this, you know, so... <laughs> If we desire to live in the grace of God, we need to position ourselves to receive it by being humble. We receive the grace of God, just so you know, not for our own success and accomplishments, but for the glory of God. The grace of God is for his glory. The grace of God is not to fulfill this tickle in our heart that makes us feel good about ourselves. That's not what grace is. Oh, I'm called to be a pastor. Oh, I'm called to be a prophet. Oh, I'm going to say all these things on Instagram. Oh, okay, how about I'm going to correct you in all this? Oh, but you can't correct me in this, you know? But, oh, okay, just pour out your grace so I can feel good and fulfilled of what I think I should be. But what happens is, and I'm saying this because I've been there, you know? Don't shut out. Don't, don't close your... She's laughing because I guess she knows. <laughs> I've been there. No, no, no. Because Liz has been there too. She's been there too. Okay, guys, not just me. <laughs> but really, the great, it, I, when the moment I realized that my ambitions were for my success and not for the glory of God, I realized I was not living in the posture of humility. Like, I thought I was going to do this. I thought I was going to do that, you know? Blah, 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 blah. But it didn't work. It, 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 things just didn't work out the way I thought. Okay? I want to I share a little testimony um, before I move on here. But I remember. So, Becca and I, like I said, we are the um, young adults wake, college and young adults pastors. Uh, and we had this vision about 2017 to let go of our full-time jobs to really pursue this, you know? Uh, and it's always been a dream of mine to be a full-time, in full-time ministry. Um, but it didn't end up the way I thought it would be. You know, it didn't go the way I planned. Um, a little backstory, like, 
I, before we moved here, I got hired at my old church as the high school pastor, and my dream was coming true, but then I got invited to be part of something, which was to move here and be planted, and I decided that this is what I'm going to do, and in my heart, I really had this ambition to be like, it's only take a year or two before I could really jump back into the full-time ministry and do this, but <clears throat> it took actually about six or seven, you know, uh, to really be fully into that, but... Um, so that happened 2017. Beck and I decided to, like, I think it's time that the Lord is calling us to really lay everything down, trust him, you know, financially we're going to lose a lot of things, but this is the, the call that God has called us to do. And so he's like, okay, what do we need to do? It's like we need to start, um, you know, transitioning our, our positions, being part-time, you know, whatever, all this stuff. So that happened for a while. Then in 2018, was it 2018, 2019, was when I was able to finally, because we were getting partners, we were getting people to support us, and I was finally able to um, drop my full-time job, part-time job, and be full-time in the ministry focusing on young adults and college students. So that happened for a couple years, but what, um, a couple years later, what many of you may not have known about me this past year, like I said, the grace of God was very generous uh, this year, but we, because of COVID, we lost a, a lot of partners. We lost a lot of financial support, so I had to make the decision to go back into the secular world to work, and maybe uh, many of you don't know, didn't know that, but for, since December, I've been working part-time in, um, back in the industry that I used to work in, and so I, this was something that was not part of the dream. <laughs> it was not part of the plan. It's like, all right, taking steps back. I see what you're doing, Lord. Actually, I didn't, you know, and I was just like trying to be okay, trying to be humble, but it's just like I was, I was kind of annoyed, you know, I was to be, you know, say the least, like I was real, uh, really annoyed that I had to go back into that, but I had this thought where it's like, you know what, it's okay because the way God moves is never going to look like the way I expect it. And the moment I start pursuing what I expect, it's the moment I step out of the grace of God. So when I, when I submitted myself to that, I want to let you know, I, 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 it started with, okay, when I, it was hard for me to make that decision. Like, Beck and I had to talk about it and pray about it. And then she was encouraging me, like, it's going to be okay. Like, it really is going to be fine. And I'm like, over here, no. <laughs> you know, and not in, indeed, just looking for a job. <laughs> but it, it's just a funny way this happened, okay? The fr I put in one application, okay? And I was just like, you know what, whatever. There's a part-time position because that's what I need. In reality, I was just like, I need a part-time that is not going to really interfere too much, but I could give a little bit more because we need the finances. So I put in an application, and I was just hoping and praying for a position in the part-time where it's like only at least maybe one or two days, you know? And then the first, interview, uh, the first application I put in, a few uh, hours later, I get a call. It's like, oh, hey, I see your application. You have what we're looking for. I'm like, okay, so I guess this is what I need to do. You know, so, but, so she talked to me, and she asked me, what are you looking for? So I was just like, you know, I'm just going to say this is what I need. This is what I, I'm looking for. I need at least one or two days only. I can't do much more than that. And she's like, oh, no, we can make that happen. I'm like, all right. So I accepted the job, and it keeps going and going from there. You know, and I was just like realizing that when the fate, when the God, when the grace of God is upon your life and you submit to that, no matter what you think it looks like, it's going to open the right doors. 
And it's going, he's going to protect you and take care of you. And one thing that I realized, fast forward up to now, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it has been great this, the past six months of doing that. But then I, uh, like, faced a, a, a speed bump, a, a hiccup, I guess you could say. One of the regionals realized that um, I was hired as only one and a half days to two days. And she realized, like, oh, we actually can't do that. Like, we need you to be minimum three full days in the week. And I'm like, three full days, you know? I'm like, I can't even do that. So I was really at a panic that day. And I had to, like, figure it out. And I was praying about it, and we were talking about it. And I'm just like, you know what? I thought this was really the grace of God, that he's giving everything that we, we need, and that I don't know exactly what to do. But that same day, I get a call from, um, I guess, Master Hunter, or talk about it, because I was explaining to him the situation, but he's like, you know what, actually, doors are opening up here a lot more now, and we were going we to see if this could be something you would be willing to let go of your part-time job for, you know, because now I'm finally, like, so I'm getting financial support again, and things are just falling back into its place, but I, in that moment, I was just like, wow, the grace of God really knows exactly what he's doing when you position yourself to obey and to say yes to it, because right that same day where I had to make a decision if I'm going to quit or not was the same day a, some, a door opened, because the Lord knew exactly what he needed to do, and I felt like I could have pursued something else, not this part-time job. The whole pur purpose of this was I could have done something that I thought was right. That I didn't want to do this part-time job because it's not part of the, the plan and the thoughts that I had in my life to serve you, Lord. So I'm just going to not take the job. I'm not going to look for anything. I'm just going to be here and suffer, you know? It's like, but, and I'm going to try my best and all this stuff. But when I was just like, okay. Because I realized that the grace of God doesn't take you out of the inconvenient situations. He keeps you in there and opens the door to work in your life in those inconvenient situations. And I just think we need to take a transition of the understanding of grace. That God's grace isn't taking you out of where you think you shouldn't be. God's grace is, you're here, I'm going to still move in your life powerfully and make it happen. Yes. So I want to encourage you guys. I wasn't meaning to kind of get in that direction, but I really felt like we need to understand that the grace of God, don't judge the grace of God based off of your circumstance. Yeah. It's more like it may be inconvenient. Bad things happen. Things happen in our life, but in the midst of that, God moves, okay? So what I want to jump right into, and this is going to be the brief part, but this is the main, the main idea of understanding, we were talking about the pull is humility, right? But what's the push? Pride. And when I was having hand, foot, and mouth, I was realizing that this scripture, when I was reading it, that this is a perfect picture of what pride looks like, okay? Pride is the push. The moment we try to do something out of our own, like on our own, even if it's about pursuing what we believe God is telling us to do, is a moment we step out of grace, out of the grace of God, and then we're going to be start. We're going to start be, to be fueled by pride. And so I'm currently in the Bible plan, in the Book of Numbers. So amazing. And but I was surprised that the Lord spoke to me in this chapter. And this is chapter 12, 
uh, of numbers. And I wanted, to, I just, I put this in here. I don't know if it's on the screen, but the title of this chapter was actually called The Complaints of Miriam and Aaron, okay? And I was just like, okay, I'm just going to read. I've read through this a lot. I've understood this, but what are you trying to say? God, because God was talking to me about grace, he wanted me to understand the thing that pushes me away from the favor of God in your life is this, and it's pride. So I just want to read through this and show you, maybe we can relate, and see what the Lord can do in our hearts to change us. So Numbers 12, the complaints of Miriam and Aaron. While they were at Hezeroth, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. They said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? And I like what it says next because, but the Lord heard them. You know, he's like, I heard you. You know, it's like, I don't know if they were talking amongst each other or they were in the in a group meeting with Moses or if it was just in their hearts, but the Lord's like, I hear you. You know, I hear what you're doing. And I like what it says next because this is just more of a gut for us. It says, now Moses was very humble. More humble than any person on the earth, just so you know. <laughs> That's what I feel like they're just throwing that in there. So immediately the Lord called to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam and said, Go out to the tabernacle, all three of you. So the three of them went to the tabernacle. Then the Lord descended in the pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. Aaron and Miriam. <laughs> he called and they stepped forward. And the Lord said to them, now listen to what I say. It's funny because they're like, has the Lord spoken only to Moses? Don't he speak to us too? He's like, oh, here you go. I'm going to speak to you today, you know? (laughs) If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams, but not with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he is the one I trust. I speak to him face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? Why are you not afraid to see and view the situation you're in right now and thinking God's not doing what he needs to do? Why are you judging that person saying, I should be doing that instead of them? Why don't they notice me? Why don't they do this? I should be here and not there, blah, 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 blah. Why are you not so afraid? Why are we not so afraid to have that in our heart? I bet they were afraid. (laughs) They're like, Lord, you know, the glory of God's here. Because here's the thing. Moses is the one that normally sees the glory of God. He's the one that normally goes there. And then Miriam and Aaron's like, well, this is the first impression you're giving me, God? All right, you know. Scary stuff. The Lord was very angry with them, and this is key. The Lord was very angry with them, and he what? Departed. And that's what spoke to me. I'm like, yikes. I wonder, why is it that, that he departed from them in that, in that time? As the cloud moved from above the tabernacle, there stood Miriam, her skin as white as snow from leprosy. I'm just kidding. I don't have leprosy. <laughs> Because I don't know if you can see, my skin is peeling. It looks white. Everyone keeps telling me it's leprosy, but it's not, I promise. But she's standing there, white as snow, 
from leprosy. When Aaron saw what happened to her, he cried out to Moses, Oh, my master, please don't punish us for the sin we have foolishly committed. Don't let her be like a stillborn baby already decayed at birth. So Moses cried out to the Lord. Who cried out to the Lord? Moses. Here's the thing. Let me stop you right there. People are always going to say things about us, judge you, put you down, say these things, but we need to pull a Moses and be like, okay, I'm still going to go to the Lord for them. They have said these things about me. They have slandered me. They have whatever, but I'm not going to give it back to them. I'm going to go to the Lord for them. And so those of you who want to be used by God, we need to have an attitude like Moses in this situation. Oh God, I beg you, please heal her. But the Lord said to Moses, and here's the thing. Remember, what happened first? After Miriam, like after Miriam and Aaron get confronted, the Lord what? Departed. And who's he talking to only now? Moses. He stopped talking to Aaron and Miriam. Why? He departed from them. And now the only person that they could hear from from the Lord, and I'm going to get into this, is from their leader, Moses. The Lord said to Moses, if her father had done nothing more than spit in her face, wouldn't she be defiled for seven days? So, here's what you should do. Keep her outside the camp for seven days, and after that she may be accepted back. So, Miriam was kept outside the camp for seven days, a.k.a. separation. Separation from what? From God and from who? the camp, the people. The people waited until she was brought back before they traveled again. Then they left Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. So let's talk a little bit about this power trio. We've heard the story of Moses, right? Just a recap, Moses, Aaron, and Miriam were all siblings. Miriam and Aaron were the older siblings, all right? This represents the body of Christ. Brothers and sisters, this story represents the body of Christ. Moses wasn't superior to them. He simply just had a different measure of favor and grace upon him and his calling. Reason why? Because in verse 3 they said, Moses was the most humble of all. Just wanted to let you all know that. Reminder, this is why he has all the things that I'm asking him. That's why I'm talking to him. That's why I'm doing this. Because he is humble. And here's the thing. Miriam and Aaron were older, which could have in that state. Who in here is the older sibling? Sometimes, don't you feel entitled a little bit over your siblings to be like, uh, I get the privilege because I'm older, okay? I get the biggest slice of pizza, you get the crumbs, you know? Whatever it is, I don't know how it is to be an older sibling because I'm the youngest, but anyways, um, <laughs> one could dream, right? I'm just kidding. But they were the older siblings, so they had a reason to be entitled, I guess you could say. They could have felt entitled. They could have felt like, I'm older than you. Why do I have to just listen to you? You know, Miriam, as a reminder, was actually the one that saved Moses. Do you remember that? 
he, they put him in the river, and she's the one like trucking along and be like, I'm gonna keep my eye on you. And then they're like, Oh my gosh, a baby. And she's like, I'll take him to someone. She takes him to his, his mom again to take care of him, and then they bring him back. It was because of Miriam that he was able to be saved. So she had all reason to be like, No. You know? Aaron was the big brother to step up for his insecure little brother when it came to talking to Pharaoh. And Aaron's like, okay, I'll do the dirty work for you. You know, I'll do the dirty work for you. I'll talk to him. I'll be your spokesman. You know, I want you to understand the position that Aaron and Miriam had and what part they played. So they had this entitlement. They had this feeling of, I deserve more. And so, you know, all of that happened, and then out comes the result of leprosy, which is Miriam, right? And so this is the part, I know it's kind of weird, this is the part where the Lord really confirmed to me that this is what I should talk about when it comes to hand, foot, and mouth, okay? I felt like I went through the process of what it feels like to be separated, okay? And the Lord was speaking to me, through hand, foot, and mouth (laughs) about pride, you know? And whether it was pride for myself, but I received it anyways, I'm like, whatever it is, Lord, take it away, you know? I'm sorry, I repent, humble me, you know? But I felt like the Lord was just reminding me to, to show you what it looks like when pride enters into our life. And so when I, so when Miriam, just so you know, if when Miriam, let's just say she, had this, and she's like, oh my gosh, I have hand, foot, and mouth. I'm just kidding. I have leprosy. And she's like, I don't know what to do. The Lord says, okay, I need to depart from you, and I need you to be separate, separated. Not only was she alone, but she was in pain. She had to deal with a lot of things alone. Pride pulls you away from doing things together. Okay? So when I had um, hand, foot, and mouth... You know, I based all of mine based off of Becca's because she had hand, foot, and mouth before me. I'm like, okay, well, if she, she's already getting better, this is going to be okay. It's going to be a breeze. So um, just bear with me. Uh, the first day, uh, my hands were okay. So I'm going to just show you a picture of what my first day looked like. You know, it looked like a hand, right? But you could see these little dots, and that's what Becca had. And I'm like, okay, I'm getting to the, the, the heap of it, right? This was on Wednesday. And throughout the day, I was just sleeping, not eating, losing pounds, you know. And I'm just like, I could get through this. Next day, I wake up, and I look at my hands. You could go to the next one. All of a sudden, I'm sorry, brace yourself. This is the reality of hand, foot, and mouth, okay? So what happened was these hands were not useful at all. And that was also on my feet, and I did not put a picture of my throat, but it looked like an inside-out alien, okay? It had all these canker sores, nasty stuff on there, oh, and I couldn't eat, just reminding you, I couldn't eat. Okay, so um, all of this to say, I had that going on, and that caused me to really, number one, not handle anything. I could barely walk. I couldn't be around people because it was contagious, you know? 
Hand, foot, and mouth is very contagious, but it's just so you know, it's very rare for adults to get it. <laughs> I'm that rare one, you know, so um, it's rare for people, adults to really get this, but they do, and this is what it's like. So when that happened, I just felt all this, like, thought of, man, I'm just doing this all alone. Like, I cannot do anything for myself. And one thing that really got me, going back to I couldn't eat, you know, the, I really, literally, I really couldn't eat for five days. But that spoke to me that's like, when I have this pride, when I have this thing in my life, I cannot receive and take down the things of God in my life. And all I'm doing is living off of my own fat, you know, and things left in me, you know, that's like eating myself up. And so I'm basing my life on what was as opposed to what is because I can't take in what God has for me. And I felt like that was a picture of what Miriam had. She, the Lord departed. And so the next time, the healing process, I have one more picture just to show you. Even though, I don't know if you could tell, my fingers were peeling like a potato. This was after the fact but I felt like the Lord was saying that it's going to, like, what happens here, it's still, like, there are some healing process to happen. And it's not going to be pretty, but it's a process that I'm going to have to get to and go through to be back to my normal state, you know? And this is what I felt, thank you so much, this is what I felt Miriam went through when it comes to her pride, you know? And it was also... Aaron and Miriam's pride. I don't know why Aaron didn't get leprosy. You know, that's something I could look into a little bit more, but I know the result of what they did, you know, and I think the reason why, like, a difference is just a little side note. Aaron was the one that repented. He's the one like, oh my gosh, what happened? You know, and he, he asked for her. I don't know what else happened there, but anyways, so I felt like Aaron and Miriam reveal to us four things that show us, that expose pride in our heart. And I wanted to just go through this for you guys, and we're going to pray and respond to this. And I want you to be open that maybe you're in this position right now. Maybe your heart is in this position. But four things expose their pride. Number one was dissatisfaction. And the reason why I say this is because God was still using Aaron and, Mo, uh, Aaron and Miriam, but they weren't satisfied enough. Like, I'm, where you are right now, we, we should be satisfied with what God is doing. And if we want more of that grace of God, remember, we need to turn our hearts to the position and posture of humility. But they were dissatisfied. They had privilege still with God. It just wasn't the privilege they wanted. It's like they forgot who they were in God. Remember I said humility is remembering who you are and who God is. Now they're never going to forget who God really is after this experience. But it's like they forgot who they were in God because they were focused on who Moses was. This led to jealousy comparison, feeling contempt, they were not satisfied where they were in life and how God was using them. And you know who they blamed? 
Moses. And I catch myself sometimes, especially when I was first learning how to follow Jesus, I would never own up to my stuff. I would point the finger with all ten digits, you know? It's you! (laughs) Not me! Maybe you're here today and you are pointing the blame somewhere else as to why your life is the way it is today. No one controls what your life is except between you and God. And that's what I want you to be set free from today. My desire is for you to be so attractive to the grace of God. I don't want you to to cause God to depart. When it comes to pride, though, we don't push God away. He just leaves. We can't push God away. We don't have that ability, but he has the ability to leave our presence, to leave where we're at because of pride. Have you ever felt that way? I should be asked to do these things. I should be doing what they do. I've been faithful. I've been proving myself. Why aren't they doing it for me? Why can't I be where they're at? You know, I've really been there. And I think it's a dangerous place to be. Grace, again, isn't about taking you out of the unwanted situation. It's about God opening the doors and the inconvenience of where you're at. Remember Joseph in the Bible? If he thought the way we thought, his idea of grace would have been like, I don't need to be in prison. But he stayed in prison. But what happened? He received favor. And he walked up that ladder. And then, boom. You see what I'm saying? Dissatisfaction. Number two. Criticism. They criticized Moses. They were pointing fingers. They compared themselves because they saw Moses. Remember, in verse 8, they said, Why were you not afraid to criticize your, my servant Moses? Maybe you catch yourself criticizing. Number three, entitlement. They were like, we're just as good as Moses. First of all, I'm older, remember? Second of all, I saved you. Thirdly, I spoke for you. I'm just as good as Moses, so I deserve for God to speak directly to us. That's what they thought. I deserve to also do that. They used, and this is where we got to be careful, they used position, seniority, and I've been here, I've done that, as their reason to say, I deserve it. Maybe you're here and you're like, I've been following Jesus more than this person. Why should they speak into my life? I've been doing this just as much as they have. Why don't I see the results in my life the way or the favor of God in them? Here's the thing. If the favor, if, if you think people is what takes away the favor of God from you, you're wrong. Because if God has favor on you, he's going to make a way. He is going to make a way. People don't deprive you from being used by God. 
That's what, that's what Joseph thought. You know, they thought, oh, we're just going to put him in prison. Like, all his dreams are ridiculous, you know. But the Lord found a way through his favor because of the position of his heart. And the last thing is division. They were divided with Moses because of their pride. And they were divided with God also because of their pride. And there was separation. Remember, Miriam had to be separated from camp. She wasn't just separated from God at that moment. He didn't just depart from her. Pride pushes people away from you. Pride causes division, dissension, disunity, all of these things that are not of God. Pride doesn't only affect your relationship with the Lord, but it affects your relationship with each other. And here's the thing, in verse 15, pride, the pride that you have impacts the move of the body that you want to be a part of. Why? Because it says here in verse 15 that they, they were, she was kept outside for seven days and the people waited. They waited until she was okay. And then they left. They still loved Miriam. They're not just going to high and dry, get out of my face, kick you out the, off the curb kind of thing. It's like, but here's the thing. There's consequences to our pride. There is consequences to our pride, and it is inevitable. But we need to position our hearts to be humble. So that was division. Humility requires us to be real and honest with God. We need to admit, yeah, I am prideful. Yeah, I am thinking this way towards these people or acting this way or living my life according to this. And as we close, maybe you're wondering how do we get to this true humility? The one person I want you to see is the humble king. And who's that? It's Jesus. In John 13, verse 3 to 5, when I read this, I understand what it means to be the humble king. Because Jesus came not to serve, but to serve, right? Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash, a.k.a. serve, the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel he had around him. Remember, humility is recognizing who God is and who we are in him. The reason why this is so crucial, because in verse 3 it says Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. Jesus knew who he was to God. Jesus knew that he came to serve people with the authority that God has given him. Jesus knew his calling. Jesus knew his security and his identity in Jesus. And what happened after that, I find it interesting, but very doable for us. After he said, Jesus knew, blah, 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 
he proceeds to wash their feet. He starts to serve. Why? Because that's all part of his identity. He knew he came to serve. It's not only about knowing who you are, but really walking it out. And today, I believe that some of us here have forgotten who God is. And that's why we have invited pride into our life. We have forgotten who we are in God. And we have forgotten where we have come from. Just the grace of God. I want you to remember, just close your eyes, and remember the time where you weren't with Jesus. Remember the time where you didn't have the grace of God. Remember the time where you struggled. You didn't know who you were. You were in that bad relationship. You're dealing with brokenness. You were dealing with addiction. You felt alone, lost. You faced depression and suicide. You were insecure, and you would try to find security in other places, in other people. We need to remember, but then remember that time where God's gracious gift of salvation was given to you to say, this is who I am. I love you, and I'm here for you. You did nothing to deserve this free gift of life, this free gift of salvation. But because I'm good, and because I love you, here it is. And you received, and you took it. You didn't have to do anything. You didn't have to earn it. But he did want your heart to respond in repentance. And you did. Maybe some of us here have not received that gift of salvation yet. If we want the, the grace of God and the favor of God in our life, he only pours it out to those who have received the first gift, which is salvation. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, I need to receive that free gift of salvation. If that's you, because of what Jesus did on that cross, and he showed his perfect love, God wants to pour out his grace on you. If this is for you, if you say, I need to receive that free gift of grace, of salvation in my life, just raise your hand and say, that's me. Just say, that's me, I need that. All right. And I want to, I want to make a call for those who want to make Jesus and accept that grace of God into their heart to make Jesus their Lord and Savior. Remember, in Ephesians 2, it says, for it is by grace that you have been saved. It's not by anything else. 
by grace through faith. The faith part is repentance. It's truly turning away. All of this, and maybe I'm going to make another altar call as something before we all stand. Maybe you're here and you realize you've been embracing and harboring pride in your life. And you have allowed the Lord to depart from you. And you need humility. You can be humble. You can be a magnet towards the grace of God. But humility needs an attitude of repentance. Repentance precedes humility, which positions us for grace. Repentance is first. Humility comes. Grace is drawn. Why don't we all stand to our feet? Just continue to focus on the Lord. But we have those three. I have one more altar call that I feel like we need to have today. Number one is the salvation. If you're here to receive the salvation of God, the free gift and the grace of God, that comes first. Number two is you've been dealing with that you need more humility and then you've been dealing with pride. But number three, maybe any of those things that we talked about, dissatisfied, you're critical, your criticism, you are being entitled and you are divided. If any of those things that you feel that you are harboring into your heart, and this is an opportunity for you, an opportunity for you to, get this, release the leprosy from your heart. So what I want us to do is I want us to open the altar and then then we're going to have pastors and leaders pray for you guys. But if you are here to respond to any of this, this from the altar, I mean for the altar call, whether you're dealing with any of these points of pride and you need humility or you need the salvation, I want to open this up as we just worship a little bit more and surrender every part of us but why don't you just come moving forward to this altar if you want to just face the things that the Lord is speaking to you why don't we just worship a little bit as well thank you so much for tuning in today I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life if you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media thanks again